Bonfires burning bright Funky faces in the night I remember Halloween Dead cats hanging from poles Little dead around in droves I remember Halloween Skeleton life is known I remember Halloween This day anything goes Burning bodies hanging from poles I remember Halloween Return of Troy here on Without Your Head. <laughs> I have returned. Yes. Good oh, big man. show tonight. I've mm-hmm. come back from hell. Now we're going to have Joe Lynch, the director of Wrong Turn 2. He's going to be on probably in about uh, 10 minutes or so, I would say. Yeah. I'm yeah. definitely looking forward to the interview here. He's mm-hmm. a pretty fun guy from what I understand. So, uh, yeah. I'm looking forward hey, to it. I hear he's an EC Comics fan, yeah. so that John, makes him all right. John to the throwdown, because he, he's... Uh, it's got a movie. He's got the Ron Toon 2 out. It's about West Virginia. Uh-huh. John's not a happy man. He's like, you know, that's not, that's not the West Virginia I know. <laughs> no, actually, actually, let me let me clear things up here before you try to get me in some uh, <laughs> fisticuffs here, sir. I just want to say that, uh, you know, I'm, I think it's interesting, you know, they're making a movie in West Virginia, and probably the scene that I like, one of the most out of the Henry Rollins character was when he uh, told another character in the movie that, uh, you know, he's from two counties away from here and people don't appreciate these hillbilly stereotypes. <laughs> yeah. so, I don't uh, know. It kind of reminded me of what I, what I said about the earlier film, like uh, right, Wrong right. Turn 1 or whatnot. I wish you have a call here. we got Brian Jones on the line. We'll be the first time caller into Without Your Head. Oh, hi. How you doing? How you doing? I usually call it in your head. I, I give you guys a call on this show, too. Yeah. I just had, uh, was wondering, wondering about something. Do you think you guys, uh, uh, I'm a big X-Files fan. Do you think you guys could ever get Mitch Pelecci on the show? Uh, I was a big fan of this really old movie he did in the late 80s called Shocker. A lot of people thought it was really lame. Oh, man. Really Shocker, I love yeah. Shocker. I would, yeah. If we get him on, it would definitely be talking about Shocker because I'm not an X-Files fan and I've never watched an episode of the TV show. <laughs> And I wanted you guys' opinion on something. We talked about it earlier on the In Your Head show, but I was just curious about it. Why is it so many horror fans seem to have a dislike overall for Eli Roth? I mean, I've never actually seen his movie, so I, 
haven't formed an opinion. Uh, I plan to get around to it. But what, what is it people well, seem to have so much? I think John can take, can take this one. Well, if you're asking me, um, it's mainly because it seems like he's he's under the impression that he's better than what he is. <laughs> that's that's the way it comes off to me. I mean, you watch like you listen to like his commentaries on DVDs and stuff, and he's always name dropping all these people, and he's acting like he's the the next like Sam Raimi or something. But then you watch the product that he's putting out, and it's. It's not up to the caliber of Evil Dead. I mean, it seems like he's trying to, you know, like Cabin Fever, it seemed like it was trying to be like Evil Dead to me. And uh, I don't know. It's, I, th- I think that's pretty much the overall, like, where the hatred stems from. It's because he acts like he's... Yeah, well, the better. thing is, like, even if you go to his MySpace, he has a thing where you can't, if you make fun of his, uh, or not make fun, if you say anything negative about his... Uh, product, you know, he will he will delete it. He says that right on, right on his MySpace. So, yeah. I don't think the, the guy doesn't, you know, he just uh, doesn't want any criticism. Which I think, you know, oh. rubs people the wrong way. I think, you know, if you're going to make movies, and I think if he was out there and he was having fun with people, uh, I think he would be more accepted by right. a, a lot of the horror things. I just don't care for his movies, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the other thing with me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah, know. It's like... right, I haven't actually watched them. I didn't know if they were like Oh really? Like, um, I I think Hostel has its moments, and I think uh-huh. it could have been like a, like a really good movie. Mm. But I do think, you know, I just talked about the show before. I think it kind of veers. It's like at one time it's like a real, um, kind of like a horrific movie with horrific scenes and very like real, and then then it has like over the top, almost like uh, Monty Python esque like comedy, and it. it just doesn't really uh, yeah doesn't yeah. blend well to me. Yeah, it, it definitely, definitely doesn't blend well in, in a lot of his films that he's made thus far. But, uh, I don't know. Maybe you could pick it up and change it around now, a little bit, but. Yeah. Hostile 2, well, I, I thought worried. was much worse than the original one. I don't <laughs> what think I'm trying to figure is, how do they make Saw 4? Um, are you guys planning on seeing that, or has it just gotten to the point now where what? it's become old hat? Well, actually, I'm kind of catching up on the Saw films, because I've only seen, I've seen 1 and 2 so far, and I actually really enjoyed 2. I, I thought I didn't think I'd enjoy it as much as I did, but uh, the third one I hear kind of goes downhill a little bit there. Maybe Neil could talk about that a little now, bit. Now, Jack, more. I'm a little surprised. You you said you guys host a horror show, but you never actually watched the X Files show. Is that more of a sci-fi thing than a? Uh, <laughs> I would I would I would consider that definitely more sci-fi, and then. Uh... No, I've never watched a show, but you know that that was on before we had uh, Without Your Head, which I know Without Your Head, you would think that it's you know it's been on uh, decades, it's been on uh, centuries maybe, but uh, mm-hmm. it hasn't. You know, maybe yeah. if we were doing the show back then, I would have been following the X Files. Now, you know, Bri- now, Brian, I did watch the movie. It was like The Turning or something like that with uh, with that Anderson girl in it. I, I watched it for her yeah. uh, acting abilities. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you did. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'll listen uh, to your rest of your show, but I uh, appreciate you taking my call. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Just uh, if you want to call back in for uh, for Joe Lynch, you can call back in about five or ten minutes, most likely. Is it Henry Rollins in that movie? Yes, he, he is. is. Yep. Oh yeah, I like Henry Rollins. He's pretty funny. Yeah, he is cool. Oh, yep, maybe yeah. we'll talk more about Saul later on in the show after uh, the interview we have done. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. All right. Thanks yeah. for calling, dude. Thank you. Catching the flag for not being X Files fans. Oh man, how about yeah? That? We got cigarette smoking man. He's like, what uh, the hell? He's blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I don't know, dude. I just didn't watch the show. You want to talk some Alfred Hitchcock presents? I, I could, I can go there, but oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about the X Files. I'm, 
I'm an old well, soul in a 26-year-old body. Well, but it's it's not like you know we're, we're not anti-science fiction people. No, no. You know because we're all Star Trek people and yeah, stuff. Like Star and, Trek, like the yeah. Star Wars. You know, it's a little movie out there for uh, for you uh, young fans. You can probably <laughs> check it out on the uh, VHS or DVD. Outer Limits, Twilight Zone, uh, Alien. I think stuff, Alien yeah. is kind of the movie kind of crosses genres. You could call that. A, uh, a sci-fi can also probably call it a horror movie. I know actually in the special edition, uh, the special uh, features on Ron Turn 2, he, he talks about uh, aliens being, he kind of considers it a slasher film. Hmm. I can see that, you know, like with the alien, you know, lurking around the, uh, the spaceship. Yeah, the, the, the sequel, Aliens. Oh, okay, I can't see that at all. <laughs> but I can see the first one being a slasher film. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. The second one was kind of more or less like an action action film in a lot of sense. Yeah, you got the space marines and yeah. stuff. It's kind of like Star Blazers, yeah. man. Well, we got Count Barbular here in the chat room, and he's like, there goes Neo casting judgment on things he admits he's never seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I, I mean, uh, if, 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 if I'm not willing to go and, and watch it, I mean, I probably wouldn't like it, is what, is what I'm saying. Which I know is just a horrible thing to say, but uh. <laughs> huh. But anyhow, we have we viewed a copy of uh, Wrong Turn Two, and uh, we're probably going to have the uh, director of the film coming up pretty yeah, soon. Yeah, Joe so. Lynch will have him on here in a couple minutes, hopefully, mm-hmm. if uh, things work out. Unless he's too busy, and uh, you never know about the man. <laughs> All righty, we better head to break, and uh, when we come back, we should have Joe Lynch on. All right. This is Tom Tolls. You're listening to WithoutYourHead.com, and you're doing it without your head. Think about it. Oh, wait, you can't. You don't have a head. (laughs) Oh, man, I went too far again. All right, we are back. We're joined by Joe Lynch. Welcome to Without Your Head. Hey, guys. How you doing? Uh, sorry, that that should have been more auspicious. Hey, fellas, how you doing? Joe Lynch, what would it be? You know? Right. (laughs) Hi guys. That's normally how hey. I start the show. With a boobity bee? Yeah, you're still you're still in my catchphrase. <laughs> yeah, I'm screw you guys. I'm getting that shit copyrighted. I'm going to use that. Like, I'm just going to write that at the end of all my emails. Boobity bee, Joe Lynch. Oh man, sorry. <laughs> oh man, I can see the t-shirts only cockies. Oh great. Yeah, well, not not as not as hot as shit ghost. Shit goes. Come on, you can't you can't deny that you know the the greatest new term since she, you know show me the money. <laughs> shit goes. What what is exactly shit goes from? Yeah, think, think about it for a second, boys. Just yeah. think about it. Yeah, that, I was actually watching uh, Wrong Turn Two at work with all my buddies, and uh, they oh. noticed that uh, Sam, one of one of my fellow workers, he picked up on that instantly. Shit goes. Ah. <laughs> I must, you know what? I feel bad. I think I missed the shit goes from there. It's, it's a bit of a way homer, you know. It's just one of those ones where you go, oh, that's right. <laughs> it's just one of these weird terms that I just like came up with while I was in Tokyo shooting this like drift racing thing, and my audio guy like just blasted ass in my face, and I'm like, oh, dude, shit ghost, and he's like, that's good. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm gonna use that someday. So we're on the set of the movie, and you know, the, the line in the movie was just like, you know. Ooh, I farted. You know, not not really the most choice line in the world. And, you know, I'm just like, you know, what's great is working with these actors and you get to really just kind of throw these lines out and see what they do with them. Mm. So, you know, I'm throwing these like weird, you know, ooh, floating air biscuit, you know, all these weird ones <laughs> that I remember. And uh, and one was, uh, what was it? Fuck. Um, 
Oh, I made I made the the guy do an impression of Ronnie Dangerfield and Caddyshack. He's like, oh, oh somebody stubbed on a duck, you know. <laughs> and then at the last take, I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna do this. I'm just gonna try it. It'll probably never get used. And I had the Fox executive like standing next to me. I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna get fired by saying shit ghost. Mm-hmm. And I and you know during the scene, I go say shit ghost. And the guy Steve Braun is like, what? Shit ghost. <laughs> and it's like there's a pause, and he goes. That's good. He uses it. And then I turn to the executive. He goes, you're definitely printing that one. That's funny. I'm like, sweet. <laughs> so hopefully, it, you know, I'm hoping that someday some little kid on like a subway or like, you know, in a public area will just like come and, you know, gr- you know dust the crops next to me and just blast ass. And he'll be like, shit goes. I'm like, I came up with that fuck face. I should be getting royalties on that, you know. <laughs> Do you ever bring around like a, no- a notepad with you when you get these, uh, you know, these great ideas like the shit goes or? No, it just kind of it just kind of burrows itself in my head like a maggot, you know. Uh-huh. It's just like oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick around for a little while, and anytime you need to have like some kind of weird euphemism for a queef or a fart or you know cum or <laughs> shit or something like that, I'll be there for you, Joe, to have a nice little thesaurus of you know like awful awful terms. <laughs> have you uh, heard the term uh, swamp ass? Oh, dude, I have you ever heard of anal rot? No, I haven't heard that one. Well, it, 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 it's what happens after you have swamp ass. So it, it, that's that's stage two swamp ass oh, is anal rot. Oh man, <laughs> swamp ass is or, or zombie ass. Z- zombie ass is always it's actually stage three is zombie ass. If you have zombie ass, if your ass is truly undead, you will know. <laughs> and and unfortunately, it goes from swamp ass to you know anal rot to zombie ass. And and really, at that point, you're fucked. You know, I'm sorry, the top dog. Yeah, those are also all excellent uh, titles for a film. Oh, I do. Come on, Swamp Ass would be... Could you imagine oh, yeah. if they had, like... I, I firmly believe if they did a sequel to Hatchet, it should be called Hatchet 2 Swamp Ass. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so badass. I'm going to call Green right now, and I'm going to get, like, him on that right now. He'll be like... He'll just hang up on me, though. He'll be like, oh, that's good joke, click. Adam? Adam, hello? Hello? I, th- I think he liked it, you know. <laughs> Uh, were you a fan of uh, Hatchet? Oh, I love Hatchet. Yeah. I've seen Hatchet about six times, you know, and this is before, like, I saw Hatchet maybe, I saw Hatchet first, before I knew Adam, and then when I when I saw it, I was like, I gotta meet the sick fuck who made this movie, you know, because <laughs> we clearly have the same sensibilities, you know, like, just watching it, it, it elicited the same feeling I had that I had when, you know, like, when I was reading the script for it the first time, or, like, for Wrong Turn 2, or just thinking about, like, like, I watched on Friday, I watched, uh, what was it? Um, Fright Night, right? Mm. And I love fucking Fright Night. You know, oh, there's nothing right. better than seeing Fright Night on HD in Letterbox. I'd never seen it in Letterbox before. So rediscovering all my favorite 80s films like that or From Beyond, which has mm. never come out on DVD until now and yeah. looks yeah, beautiful. Yeah. You know, rediscovering all these movies. That's what Hatchet felt like. Hatchet felt like it was a movie that I originally saw on VHS and I got to see a new, you know, copy of, of it or a new version, a double disc special edition with cleaned up, you know, mo- you know, digital mastering. And, it, you know, that, that's the kind of feeling it, it evoked was that fun sensibility of, of, of splatter movies, mm-hmm. you know, where you can be extreme, you can be scary, you're allowed all this, but there's this, you know, over the top nature that you can infuse action, you know, it, it really, it's like a booyah base of a genre film. You know, you can get away with all these sorts of things, including a sense of humor, you know, like which I think is very important sometimes. I mean, you watch a movie like The, the Descent, right, where it is so stark and so, you know, unrelenting yeah. that 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, the few moments that you have humor in it, where, like when the girls are having like that kind of almost disarming humor to it, it, it you know, it, it, it works because it's that kind of sugar to make the medicine go down. Mm-hmm. And then when it gets intense, it gets really intense. But even like, um, like a film like uh, 30 Days of Night, which I saw last week, and it is fucking amazing. Is it? Yeah, because I'm all guys. Yeah, look, I'm a you know big what? Fan Some people are gonna like it. Novels, yeah. Then you'll love this because it, it it captures Steve's words and Ben's art like I haven't seen in a in a like a graphic novel adaptation in a long time. You know, really. I mean, if if this is the route we're gonna go, where we're gonna have these talented auteurs really put their efforts into making something faithful, you know, like a faithful adaptation, but still retain like style. Like like what Zach did with 300, you know. Right. That's right. that's what Slade does with this, but he still makes it this intense movie experience. And every time that there's a humorous moment, which I can count on my you know one hand, like three moments that the audience is allowed to kind of laugh. Whereas you know, obviously in Rock Turn Two, you're tra- you know I'm trying to make you laugh every moment I can, or right, you right. kind of like kind of go, holy shit, you know. <laughs> Those few moments you'll never forget because the rest of the film is so. Just exactly what you said, bleak and stark, and it's a real fucking horror movie, you know? And, and, and that's the thing, it's like you have those movies, and that movie, you know, evokes the thing, the Carpenter's thing, whereas, you know, Hatchet, and Behind the Mask, and I haven't seen all of it, I've seen bits of it, but Trick or Treat, you know, these films are trying to say, look, you're allowed to have fun with a horror movie. You know, you can go on a roller coaster ride with us, you know? I mean, that's what I call the movie the whole time, this is a splatter coaster. You know, it's like it takes you all the way up the hill, and then once that, you know, once the axe goes right through her, you know, her vagina and the entrails fall, that's where the first drop is, and and it just kind of goes up and down and up and down and alley oops, and even if I mean if you've seen the movie, that one scene where Jonesy and Amber are upside down, you know, and the camera spins around, that's my that's my loop to loop, you know, like I Mm -hmm. wanted to, you know, it it really like there's nothing better than going on a roller coaster. Whereas you can be afraid, you can laugh at your friends, you can turn them and go, holy fuck, I just lost my dominant fell on an old lady, you know. And, and then when it's done, you're, 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 you're laughing, you're gasping, you're, you know, you're, you're clawing for each other, you're going, holy shit, I want to do it again. You know, and that, that, that to me is what is missing from a lot of horror films. And, and believe me, like, like I said before with 30 Days a Night, I love as grim and as nihilistic a horror movie as it can get. I love that. Because, you know, that, that uncompromising tour de force of extremities is, you know, it, it's it's an experience. But it's also, you can still have fun with horror movies, too. And, and in the last couple of years, you know, I mean, everyone's been talking about you know, the whole torture porn thing. Right. You know, it, it's, it, it look, I, I really feel like that did, the films that, that came out around that time, you know, like, like Hostel. Hostel, Hostel, too. Uh, you know, they, 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 I think they served their purpose, you know, that, that, Gritty realism. I mean, after seeing, you know, those poor people, you know, the, the refugees getting tied up and being made, you know, being put through torture or seeing on the Internet, like, beheadings and stuff like that, you know, there's this stark realism that I think, you know, Eli was smart enough to tap into, you know, and these filmmakers were smart enough to go, God, you know, there's nothing scarier than knowing you are going to die and I'm going to do it to you. You know, but it only goes so far. Like, look at look at J Horror a couple of years ago, and look at the zombie film. F- horror films ebb and flow if they want to stay successful. Mm-hmm. You know, the genres have to evolve. You know, I'm hoping that for like the next year, maybe we'll have a lot of fun with some horror movies. You know, and and then hopefully, if all goes well, the way that the tide seems to be changing, I hope the monster movie comes back. You know, mm-hmm. with the host and with Clover. Oh, the host is really oh, great. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, we're big, all big fans yeah, of the host. Yeah, love the host. 
You know, I, I remember watching that movie and going, okay, you know what, the monster movie's back. Because here's someone who did something that I haven't seen since, and I hate to use it all the time, but I do, but since like either Jaws or The Blob. You know, where you can, you can have a great monster movie, but if you don't have good characters, who gives a shit? You know, like I've always felt like the host is really The Blob meets Little Miss Sunshine. You know, you have this like crazy dysfunctional family. Yeah. But then you have this like this monster movie that is just not going to give a shit about anybody. I'm mm. going to eat you. I don't care. Oh, but you're also oh, so multi-layered, you know. But exactly, and, and, and that movie is so great because yeah. you don't know who's going to live or die. It's like, wait a second, are you second billing on the town the test list? Oh, I can't eat you. You know, <laughs> I had no clue who was going to live or die, and that's what's fun about horror movies. Yeah. If you can point out who's going to die, which we all do, mm. you know, if you can kind of go, okay. Your first, your second, your second act. Okay, if you give a blowjob, you're definitely out. If you smoke any, <laughs> you're not third act. You know, I mean, that, that's part of the fun, but it also betrays us because we've seen so many, and I clearly know you guys have seen your share, that it, the part of the experience is dull because you're like, okay, unless this movie totally tries to flip a switch on me, I kind of know where it's going to go. And then it's refreshing to see movies, you know, where you don't know what's going to happen next, where you don't go, you know, oh, I saw that coming, you know? So... And that's, that's why I'm, I'm hoping that the tides change a little bit and that we can have a little fun with, with horror films again, which yeah. I think we are. You know, there's a lot of filmmakers who want to have fun with these sort of films, you know? Did, did you have, like, uh, some death scenes planned out, like, uh, you know, before you, before you did this movie, like some death scenes you really wanted to put in a movie? I always wanted to see the Snorri Cam death, the one where, you know, I'm, I'm hoping I'm not spoiling too much, but right. there's a scene in the movie. You guys have seen it, but, yeah. you know, where I use a camera rig that I've never seen used in a kill before. I've always liked that that look. I always like that kind of fixed camera look. It's done right, you know. There's this great Mick Jagger video that came out a couple of years ago that Mark Romanek directed, who's doing Wolfman, and he just pushed that kind of idea to the limit where the camera would just move wherever the person moved, and that was it. It was always a fixed. But I always felt like, God, how great would it be to see someone get fucking shot or get an axe in the head and actually watch them hit the ground, you know? Like, because then you are you as the viewer are stuck watching this die. It's not like you can just kind of go, oh, yeah, we'll go cut, 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 angle, 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 effect, 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 which is, you know, usually the way, of, you know, horror films work. You know, it's, it's all about sleight of hand. But I thought, what's the greatest sleight of hand is to have something happen in one take or have something happen where you don't expect it. Like, we've all seen the shot where you're the profile shot of a girl looking around in the spooky, you know, the spooky house, and they back up and they back up and they back up, and you know there's a big seven-foot-tall dude that's waiting to be, like, the, the kind of horror wall. She hits right. it and goes, oh, shit. You know, like, <laughs> when you see that shot coming up, you know it's, what's going to happen. You know, horror, I really firmly believe, and I'm not just saying this because I love you all out there, but I really feel like horror fans are some of the most, you know, decisive and intelligent film like like film buffs out there because they will a they they know you know i really believe this they they know their shit they know the conventions they've seen enough to know like what works what doesn't and when something new comes out they'll either point it out and say that's kick-ass or they'll they'll reject it but mm-hmm. at least you know if you can try to defy the convention a little bit then then you're you're at least trying you know like i i, I tried so hard to do every death where you didn't know what was going to happen, or it was done in a way that you haven't seen before, or it was done in a, in a way that was effective. Like, I've always, and I hate to say it, but I've always been so brutally disturbed by all those internet beheading videos, yet 
when they came out and when you have like your friend on IM go, you gotta check this out, LOL, OMG, you know? <laughs> you sit there and you go, oh my fucking god, why am I watching this? But I can't yeah. stop, you know? And I wanted to tap into that. I mean, what happened to Daniel Pearl a couple of years ago, not the, deep, the great Texas Chainsaw DP, but the journalist, was awful, was horrible. And to watch that happen was just devastating to people. But without, you know, without it being exploitive, I wanted to take that kind of horrible feeling I got and harness that, you know. And the same thing with, like, the story camp death. It's like I wanted to do something where you weren't expecting it, and that's what makes it even better. Like, when we show that, you know, in the festivals and people are, you know, sitting there going, I've seen this shot before. Oh, Jesus! You know, like, you just don't expect it, you know. So it's like those two in particular were ones that I've always said, like, if I ever get to make a horror movie, i got to at least try those. And the rest were really, like, reading the script and going, but what do I want to see? You know, not as a filmmaker, but as a fan. Like, the first, the first kill has really always been in the script. It was, she gets her lips ripped off. She, you know, she turns over, three fingers there. He lifts the axe, and he's just about to go down, and it cuts to black. And my feeling to that is, no, I want to see what happens. I want to see everything. You know, but do it in a way where it's not just, you know, a, you know, a, a crap. That's you know, right, yeah. or it's not just you know a, a piece of shit Z movie where it's just like, oh yeah, I'm just going to show it all to you and then that's it, but with no style or substance or any you know verve at all. That, Here, I, I want Yeah, I would say what I think really sells it is then when they walk off with her. Oh God! Well, that that's like that's, that's classic. That's, that to me is the ending. So, like, if, <laughs> if anything, those boys get to walk off into the sunset like Butch and Sunday. You know, <laughs> and, hey, they did their job. Like, I really like. I wanted to make it seem like, at, at the very least, you can watch the movie and go, "Well, at least those guys got away with a nice meal." <laughs> you know, and then at least they, you know, they they split it up equally. There's not, not going to be any fighting amongst the siblings. It'll be nice. Right. But but you know, with that with that kill. In the script, I went, no, I want to see it all, you know, and I storyboarded the film before I even went to Fox, and I said, look, at least that opening scene, and said, what if we did it like this? What if we just showed everything but didn't show anything? And look at um, look at Dead Alive. You know, the beginning oh, of Dead Alive does exactly that. It gives you mm-hmm. everything, and then it cuts right when the guy's going to, he's like, Zingaya, cut. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching the movie going, no, I want to see what happens. I want to see that guy's head get split open. I want to see, you know, it's Peter Jackson, you know. <laughs> And, and that's that's where I wanted to take it with this film. You know, like I wanted to really tap into that twelve-year-old who was like watching all these movies, going, well, "What would I do?" You know, because that that's another thing. It's like when 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 you have a horror fan, most times, I mean, I, I might be just in the minority. Who knows? But I when I talk to everybody, you know, like when I talk to fans out there and my friends and stuff, it always seems like it's the same thing. When we see something that we feel you know doesn't work, we're always going, "Well, how, what would I do?" And here it is. I was given a chance to actually act on that. You know, I thought that was fucking rad. I was like, oh, shit. You know, like I could actually. And, and really, it came down to what can I get away with? And I always thought like, oh, shit, you know, I, I really don't know if I can get away with tying a vegan up with, with razor wire and feeding her entrails. You know, on paper, like me telling that to you, that sounds absolutely repugnant, you know. Right. But, you know, I would call Fox up and go and tell them that and explain it to him. And there would be a pause. And all they would say is, can you do it on budget? And I would say, <laughs> fuck yeah. And, you know, not knowing if I really could or not, but I would say, fuck yeah. And then they would just hang up. You know, I think they also knew that whatever I did, they could always cut away from it, you know, or they could always just say, hey, you know what, if you make the R-rated version. But once they saw the movie, they went, there's absolutely no way we can cut any of this. This is part of the movie, you know. So that, that, was, the, that was the most fun challenge was, 
challenging myself as a fan, saying, what do I want to see, and how do I go about doing it? What exactly draw, uh, like, uh, draws you to the cannibal uh, inbred hillbillies? That they're us. <laughs> right. That, 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 was my, that was the thing that I always get scared about. I mean, maybe that's the reason why I love like, that movie Breakdown so much, is that you know, when you're on the open road like that, you know, it could, it could very well happen to anybody. It's just mm-hmm. one false move, one major mistake or minor mistake at the time. And you're not dealing with, you know, monsters per se. You're dealing with people, you know. And and that's that was one of my major concerns from the beginning was I never called them monsters. I never called them mutants. I called them the family. Because mm-hmm. whether you like it or not, like I know there's some people who don't like that, you know, I show more of the family or that I make them more into a family. And some people who do. But I, I truly feel in my heart that the most frightening thing in my childhood was my dinner table. I'm dead serious. Mm-hmm. That was... When my old man would come home and there would that be that tension in the air, you know, like when he's pissed off or had a bad day at work, you know, or, or there's something going on in the family, like, that was terrifying to me, you know. And, and to harness a little bit of that and, like, bring, make the family scary again by making them real and making them, making you go, oh, shit, you know what, they're just like me, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what scares me, you know, and, and that's, that's part of the reason why I, you know, I, if they weren't cannibal, you know, cannibal hillbilly mutants, I'd still find them incredibly freaky, you know. Right. It, it just so happens that they come from West Virginia and they're, you know, oh. subjected to, you know, hey, I have nothing against West Virginia, but I have a feeling like the tourism, you know, group over there does not like the movie or me right now, you know. So. Well, what's this? I know this, uh, John, about that. Um, well, what do people think about these kind of movies in West Virginia? I don't know. I, I'm so curious. <laughs> they just got a, uh, I don't know, I don't. I, I hear some about them, but I, I mean, we're definitely not all like mutant retarded, like crazy families or anything. <laughs> God, no, no, just, Jay, just those people in that one section of town, that's all. Hey, we all have to have those guys yeah. out there so that we can all look better. I was, I was actually wondering why you picked Greenbrier County. Well, the only reason why was because they picked it in the first film, and, I, <laughs> and originally in the script, you know, they didn't have that, and I and I was very, very adamant about making sure there was as many ties to the first film as possible without mm-hmm. it being too much like a direct sequel. Because look, everyone says the same thing: "Well, you think douche Quebec, you know?" And I'm like, "All right, honestly, if you were in the situation that she and Desmond Harrington were in in the first film, would you even go near a fucking bush without being <laughs> concerned?" <laughs> I would stay as far away from the woods or a forest or a topiary garden or a fucking zoo as much as I could so that I wouldn't have to have those kind of feelings again. So bringing them back would make absolutely no sense, you know. Mm-hmm. So it had to be kind of a new group of people. But, you know, with, with knowing that, you know, the mythology of the first film and the storyline of the first film and what Alan, you know, did with the, with the script and what, you know, Rob and Stan had been developed with it, I wanted to make sure that, you know, fans, because I knew that Fox was going to put a double disc, you know, like the box set out, and I know there's going to be people who were going to watch both together. And I wanted to kind of slyly put in enough where when people can watch it, they can go, oh, shit, there is connections to it. Like, you know, old-timer. That guy was never in the original Wrong Turn 2 script. It was just an old man. Mm-hmm. And I thought, God, how great would it be to watch this movie and perceive the old-timer from the first film completely? Because, you know, I just I just watched um, Wrong Turn 1 on FX again. And I hadn't seen it for like six or eight months. I tried to... After I started the movie, I tried not to watch it as much anymore. I wanted to, like, get the elements I needed and go and run and make it my own film. But I just watched it again, and I'm watching it and going to Wayne Robson going, 
you know, I remember watching it going, I don't know if this guy's in on it or not. Because, you know, he just, you know, Desmond at the end stops right. and grabs the map and leaves. And that guy is just like, I'm solid, buddy. You know, he, he could be and might not be part of it. Now, when you watch Wrong Turn 2, you go, son of a bitch, that motherfucker was in on it the whole time, you know. <laughs> but but that enriches the whole kind of saga experience, you know. Or or, or Three Finger, you know. Having Three Finger in there was integral. I mean, in, again, in the original script, I, I don't think it was Three Finger. It was saw, it was Sawtooth. I'm going, actually, boys, I think Three Finger lived at the end. You know, and, and another thing is, um, and this one's really random, but... Um, I always thought, like, it would be great to have something small from the first film. Because, look, they're scavengers, you know. These people are survivors, right? right. I, I firmly believe that the ultimate survivalists in the entire film are the family. I mean, they don't really live because they all die at the end, but they are the, truly the ultimate survivalists. That family lineage has been going on for years, you know. Mm-hmm. And for them to, you know, to be the ultimate survivors, I just thought was great. But having something like... um you know, if you've seen the first film and you see Jeremy Sisto's shirt, he's got this kind of like, you know, paisley, you know, like yellow shirt. Not paisley, just like kind of, how can right. say gay, but I know. Hey, sorry, <laughs> not being politically correct here. But go on, sorry, gay shirt. And, and I, you know, and then he dies, he gets the arrows through the, you know, through the uh, back. Uh-huh. And I thought, you know, this family doesn't probably have Tide. I don't think they have uh, washer-dryer combos. <laughs> So they're just going to take clothing from their victims. So if you look closely, brother is actually wearing Jeremy Sisto's shirt. Ah, you know, yeah. you know, it's one of those things that if you don't listen to this right now or don't listen to the commentary, you'll be like, "What the fuck are you talking about, lunch?" <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't need a pop-up video thing to be like, Boop, and there's like, "Oh, look, Jeremy Sisto's shirt from Wrong Turn One." You know, but it's those little things that, as a as a fan myself, if I heard. You know, that was in there, I'd be like, that's right. fucking cool. At least you're right. trying, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a caller here. We got Ryan on the line. Oh, shit, somebody yeah. actually called in? Oh, yeah. He's been alive oh, wow. for a while. He's out of hold there. Yeah, I've been on hold just listening to you. You've got a lot of energy to you. Hey, uh, yeah, you Ryan. Hi, Ryan. How's it going, man? Good. How are you? Oh, dude, I'm doing great, man. My, it's like Christmas morning for the past three days. My movie's out. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I watched it this morning, actually. I loved it. I recommend everybody go out and see it. It's, uh, you know, the, the, uh, reality TV gimmick. I mm-hmm. hate reality TV. And I was so happy to see a cast just get going <laughs> down. Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's so much part of our life now, you know, and especially with, like, you know, with the writer's strike coming up and, you know, reality TV becoming so much a part of our lives, you know. And and I'll be honest with you, I hate reality TV too, but there's certain reality shows that I fucking love, yeah, you know. Like, I'm, I'm going to get ruined for this, but there's one huh. called Paradise Hotel that was on Fox a couple of years ago. That was the greatest summer of, like, mine and my wife's, my wife's lives. Because we just sat there every week and watched this riveted, you know, like watching what these people would do next, you know. And, and usually, like, I'll, I'll admit, man, Halloween Resurrection sucks ass. They did, they did not use that conceit well enough. I don't believe Buster Rhymes is a motherfucking producer oh, man. at all, you know, or no, no one kung fu either, you know. But there's, there's actually a really great horror movie called My Little Eye that came out a couple of years ago that uses the, the reality show conceit a little more subversively, but it's really, really well done, you know. And plus I thought, hey, you know what, the reality show gimmick makes it, makes it easier for me to be able to do things with a video, which again, like, I love fucking mixing medias up and stuff like that because then, you know, like, look, you know, with, with M's beheading or the guy getting him getting scalped on the surveillance camera, 
it's like those are the things that when you watch, you know, the, the Fox News at 11 and you're seeing like, you know, this just in another, you know, gang robbery at, you know, at the local 7-Eleven and you see these awful harrowing images, it evokes an emotion, you know, and I thought, hey, here's a device that I can use, the reality show, to be able to do those things and tap into those fears that we have, you know. But I hate reality shows. I just want to mention, I don't think the show goes by where John doesn't talk about uh, Buster Rhymes beat up Michael Myers. <laughs> that, like, just the, that, that was the bottom of the barrel. That really was. That was the troll two moment in the Halloween experience. I don't care what anyone says. Look, I didn't like Rob Zombie's Halloween. You know, I, I, I loved the first half, or at least I loved where it was going, oh, and then I just yeah. felt like it just kind of it just didn't work for me. But nothing is as bad as Halloween Resurrection. I'll even say that it's worse than Halloween 6. <laughs> At least Halloween 6 has Paul Rudd. Let's, yeah. just, let's just go on record for that. He's <laughs> got the Rudd. Myers versus Rudd, which I think they should probably bring back, you know, with, with mm. Paul Rudd being like, Judd Apatow should actually remake Halloween and just have all his gang getting chased by Michael Myers. He should be played by, you know, uh, William Shatner. Oh, not now we're talking. Could you imagine if fucking Shatner <laughs> pulled out, like, like, or you see, you know, Michael Myers, he gets, you know, a, you know, what is it, a, a wire hanger in his, in, in his eye, and he pulls it out, and he pulls off the mask, and he's like, oh, it's me, you know, that would be fucking awesome. Abigail, <laughs> well, get on it. Yeah, when we had Sherry Moon on, I mentioned that I would really love to uh, hear Shatner do some, uh, some covers of uh, Rob Zombie tunes. Oh, God. Have you ever heard, you know, his, like, spoken word album where he, he and Rollins collaborated? No, I haven't heard that one, but I, oh, I, I man. Out album. That, that's, that's a, that's an iTuneser. You know, you gotta, you gotta listen to that one. It's awesome. Oh, man. <laughs> Did you have anything else, Ryan? Yeah, uh, one of my favorite things about this movie was, uh, the little, the little touches or the little hints. Like, I think that, that's how the director or producer character is wearing a Battle Royale shirt. Oh yeah, that that was so important for me to have. Like, I I read the script and and said that it it was like a USSR shirt or something like that. It's like, ooh, he's supposed to be so you know anti-establishment. He's bucking the trend. I'm like, this was, you know, if, if this guy was like a kind of geeky dude who was given his first chance at making a big, you know, production, and you know, he made my might have felt like he was a little in over his head. Hmm, sounds like someone I know. Um, you know. <laughs> What would what would reflect that? And I felt like God, the Battle Royale shirt because I'm a huge Battle Royale is one of my favorite films of all time. Oh, and I thought, God, this guy would probably want to make his own Battle Royale, which is kind of what the reality show is, you know. And and getting that shirt in there was a bitch, but it's another one of those things that, like 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 Ryan pointed out, it's like if I was a fan and I watched the movie and I saw a Battle Battle Royale reference. I would be like, I'm fucking in on this movie. I can't wait to see what's next. Yeah, that caught my eye right away. Uh, Ryan uh, noticed it too, I, I assume. Yeah, uh, I guess that anybody who's seen Battle Royale is probably going to just flip out at that. You know you're in good hands when uh, there's the Battle Royale reference instead of the Halloween Resurrection reference. <laughs> well, I, I tried to look for a Halloween Resurrection t-shirt. They just were all out. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you could have called up John. You could have borrowed his. Oh, damn it. Well, next time. It's in heavy rotation, though, right now. So. <laughs> Why? Is it, is it the, is it the uh, T-shirt you use when you're done jerking off? Oh, That's man. That's what I would be using it for. Do you have, like, cameras in my room? <laughs> I hope those webcams are being put to good use. Oh, now, that's man. a reality show I want to see. Oh, that's truly frightening. How was Henry Rollins to work with? Oh man, I would work with Henry Rollins 
forever. Like, just based on, not on his reputation, or not the fact that he's just a constant badass, and, you know, anytime you're walking around with Henry Rollins, you be, you get a little bit of badass residue on you. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, he's just one of the most amazingly nice and professional people. Like, he'll come on set and he'll do whatever you want, you know, and give his all. Like, I, I, I could not, like, I feel like I've just been stroking him for the past couple of months, but he really is one of the greatest people I've ever got the fortunate chance to meet and work with, and I will try my damnedest to put him in everything I, I do just to work with him again, just mm-hmm. to have his kind of energy on set. Every time he came on set, it pushed everybody further. Not because he's like this, you know, big, intense guy, and he's going to kick some ass. No, because everyone respected him. He was nice to everybody. He talked to everybody. He talked to everybody from everything from, you know, the, the latest um, you know, public image LTD album to... You know, the West Memphis Three guys to the Man Bites Dog. The guy is just incredibly intelligent. He's incredibly nice. And, you know, I mean, he's done more than his share of publicity just getting this movie out. And and really, the reason why is because he said to me, he goes, this is the first movie I'm really, really proud of. You know, it's like, I like the other movies I've done, but they've been jobs. You know, it's like I got I move from job to job. You know, that, that's all it is. My, You know, if you watch the DVD, he says his biggest fear is unemployment. You know, but... Him being able to go to Comic-Con and do the Fangoria conventions and do Fango Radio when he's in the middle of a fucking spoken word tour and writing a new book and, you know, and probably, you know, saving lives around the world, you know, when we don't know it when he's, you know, secretly turns into a superhero, which I know he is, you know, but he is so awesome. Like, I really, I really hope that this movie, you know, opens his world up a mm-hmm. little bit and maybe he gets to make more movies like this or, you know, or do different roles or something, you know, like I wanted after seeing, and I love Goulder and I love Feast, but I, I felt a little bad when I saw Rollins in pink pajamas and I felt like I needed to bring, I needed to like firmly attach Rollins' balls yeah. back into cinema again, you know, and what better way than to make him a fucking badass Marine with arrow, arrow dynamite, you know. Oh yeah. So one-liners, I mean. Oh, it was, it was perfect. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, Ken Kershinger versus um, Henry Rollins for real. Who would win? Ooh, what, what was that? Ken Kershinger versus Henry Rollins for real. Who would win? Well, if you take the height difference, it would kind of be like, um, do you guys remember that scene in Freaked where uh, Elijah Scuggs, you know, Randy Quaid is up against that big screaming mad George monster and he just kind of goes bonk and he hits him down on the head because he's like oh. eight feet tall versus okay. six feet tall. <laughs> That's kind of what Kersinger would probably do to Rollins. But I think Rollins would probably like retract by doing a death blow to Kersinger's nuts. <laughs> I think it would be a draw. I think it would, it would actually, it would be, oh my God, if I ever got the chance to remake the uh, They Live, I would only want to oh, remake the, I would only want to remake eight minutes of it, mm-hmm. and I would want Ken Kersinger oh, and Henry place. Rollins to be in that alley and just beat the mother-loving shit out of each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's what I'm talking oh, about. Classic fight scene right there. Oh, that's oh, one of the best. The rules oh, of yeah. that fight scene. Yeah. Piper, I, I got to meet him in Dallas for Fight Fest, and I just went up to him and just said, "Sir, I want to shake your hand, hands, both of them. I want to shake your hand." <laughs> For nine of the greatest minutes of fighting that I've ever seen in a film, and and he was like, "Oh, thanks, brother. You know, buy a buy a hot t-shirt. You know, I was like, oh, I, I will buy three, but unfortunately, I'm fat and they don't look good on me. And you only have medium, so you know. But seriously, that is one of the greatest fight scenes of all time. Oh, if yeah. I had to do it again, or if I got the chance to do it, I would have those two motherfuckers, Kersinger and Rollins, just <laughs> destroying each other. That would be so awesome." I don't know why Piper never got more uh, movie roles, you know, like uh, you know, good movie roles. Because I thought he was 
He's probably the best, like, uh, wrestling turn actor. Wrestler turn actor. Oh, totally. Yeah. But when you make Hell Comes to Frogtown, it's not really the best career <laughs> choice. <have. laughs> Come on. You know, the only thing that that movie had going for it was great special effects. I think it was Screaming Mad uh-huh. George who did that one, too. But, and the, you know, the, it's just awful. It's oh, an yeah. awful fucking movie. But the only reason why I saw it was because it was Piper and it was because oh, Davis. Yeah. You know, yeah. because, because no one has a more badass line then I have come to chew bubblegum and kick ass and all out of bubblegum. Yeah. Yeah. That is classic. That is like the one line that John Wayne never got to say that was just forever minted by Roddy Piper, you know? And then to go from that to Frog Tune? Oh, really, dude? You know? And and, and look, Kurt Russell is the shit, right? Jack Burton, Jack McCready, you know, Snake Plissken and all that. And I wanted Piper to be another kind of badass all-American dude, you know, like oh, yeah. I thought it was going to happen. I really did. I did too, man. I was hoping yeah. for it, you know, and then it just didn't happen and stuff. But I heard that he's really good in that movie, Sinjin Smith, if it ever, if it ever gets finished and stuff. Yeah, I, heard, I, I really good things about it. Yeah, I don't know when it's ever actually coming he's, out. You know, he's been, you know, out there kind of pumping, the, you know, and kind of getting the buzz out and everything, but I, I'm just sitting there going, I want to fucking see it because I've seen little bits and pieces and I'm going, Oh my God, Roddy Piper is back. Yeah, but but come on, let's let's get the rest of them back. I'm not like two minutes of footage that I've seen. Right, he's definitely someone I would love to work with. I actually all, I got very close to working with them. There's a, a band that I did a um, I was almost going to do a music video for uh, named Three, which is actually the song in uh, Nina's headphones in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's this great band that's actually kind of like a side project for Coheed and Cambria, but they sounded very much like Faith No More, which is one of my favorite bands. So. I, I, you know, I got the CD and I sought them out and we were very close to making a video where it was going to be a sequel to They Live and we were going to have Roddy Piper in it and I was so excited. We were going to have boxes of, you know, sunglasses and people with, you know, skeleton faces and shit like that and weird subliminal messages and then the budget just couldn't accommodate getting Roddy out there and I, I was just like, I, I, I can't do it. I need the Piper, you know. Yeah. I need the, 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 I got a Piper down, you know, and I needed him. Yeah, he was battling cancer too, um. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's like, hey, you know, hopefully if all goes well, I re- like I I hope he gets the kind of Travolta comeback he deserves. Yeah, yeah that would be great. Tarantino, get on it. Because <laughs> I know he's listening right now. He and Judd oh, Apatow are actually that. listening together in Hollywood, going, "Oh, we gotta do. We so totally have to do this." Yeah, oh so. man, yeah, I think everyone probably listens to, listens to this to, to hear, uh, you know, get some ideas for some new uh, movie projects. Of course. Well, they have, like, the titles now after earlier. Yeah, it really is. Swamp Ass. Yeah, Swamp Ass is actually being optioned. I'm looking at IMDb right now. Swamp Ass has just been optioned by Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Oh, man. DreamWorks is all over that thing, man. The name of Stephen King's new book, too. <laughs> hey, what did you guys think of, um, what did you think of Cell? I loved Cell. I did, too. I really, like, I felt like the last third of it is a little, it's, it's a little, out, like, loose and out there, but... That in the first two acts are so good. The first two thirds of that book are amazing. You know, I, I, some people I, didn't like the ending, but I really enjoyed the ending too. I kind of like it open ended, like it was. It needs to be. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, yep. that it evoked so much of of the stand in all the good ways. Oh yeah, yep, yep. You know, it almost felt like an extension of the stand. You know, yeah, where it, if if you didn't have that first two chapters, you you really could see it in that same world. You know. I'm curious to see what Eli does with the movie because I, I think like he's definitely oh, he's got a doing the movie. That's oh, wow. what, I mean that's what they've been talking about, you know. Oh, okay. Um, I just want to see those that, that, those first two chapters on film. That that really I remember reading that and going, 
this is going to make the most amazing opening scene to any film ever made. Oh, yeah. It really is. It's fucking badass, you know? I'm still waiting for a good talisman movie. That's that's all I ask for. They've been ta- God, dude, they've been talking about that thing forever, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, what was it? Um, there was another one that they were just... Oh, From a View of Gate is being done by uh, Toby Hooper. Oh, really? Yeah, they wow. just announced it today. And, and it's like, look, you know, King's last couple books, you know... I, I, I will I will read Stephen King until he dies or I die and it's, you know he, even even after he dies you know they're gonna still they're gonna find like fifteen books <laughs> right. for a trip you'll you have know? a new book every year right exactly he's gonna be the Tupac of of <laughs> horror films you know of horror books <laughs> okay, yeah. and as long as they don't do the the girl who loved Tom Gordon that's the only one I don't they've been oh they've been wanting to do that for years Romero's oh. been trying to make that for years Ooh, I, I, and I agree I think that's one of it's it's my least favorite book of him yeah. of his of his in the last couple of years. Even Hearts yeah. of Atlantis had something more than that book. It just right. like right. you know, uh, you know. I, I just I love Stephen King and seeing 1408. I just saw it recently. It was like God. I remember all those good the good old days of like the late 80s, early 90s when you could almost count on every year there being a great Stephen King movie. Like oh God, yeah, yeah. Yep. Or Misery. Even fucking dude, even Graveyard Shift. Yeah, yeah, graveyard shit, a big fucking rat in a, you know, in a mill press. That was awesome. Yeah. You know, that was, the, you know, it's funny because I remember being on the set of Wrong Turn 2 at the end during the whole meat grinder scene going, God, I feel like I'm on the set of, of a graveyard shit. There should be a big scary rat from <laughs> Gordon Smith jumping out at any moment, you know. That's what you need to bring along with you. Just have like a giant rat to bring with you. I need I need an entourage of a giant rat. <laughs> I think I can make that happen. I do. I really do. Do you guys do you guys remember the movie Body Parts? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I just watched that again, and that is such a great movie. You know, it it, it, it it's a shame that it got hurt by the whole Jeffrey Dahmer thing because that's you know like it was it came out and then Jeffrey Dahmer was discovered and, and they're like wait movie's called Body Parts fuck no you know but not only does it have like one of the best car crashes I've ever seen. But it's so unrelentingly violent. You know, Eric Redd did such a good job with that movie, you know, and I hope that, what, what's his new movie? It's like 100 Feet or something like that with Samson Jansen. But I can't wait to see what he does next, you know. And Gordon Smith, who did the effects for that, he was one of those guys who did like, uh, what was it, um, Jacob's Ladder and Platoon that had okay. a different feel to his effects, whereas, you know, you had, um, you know, Savini and Baker and, and Shostrom and... Uh, you know, Greg Canham, that you could tell their work. And Gordon Smith had this weird thing where he darkened his blood to the point where it was like black. You know, and and, and when I when I was one of the greatest days of my life was being up in Vancouver, and the special effects artist's wife comes in, uh, Maureen, and she lays out thirty five samples of blood and goes, <laughs> "Which blood do you want?" I go, "Well, I definitely want more Day of the Dead blood than Dawn of the Dead blood. Obviously, I don't want tempura paint." And we'd sit there yeah. for days mixing blood, you know, because I'd always heard that, you know, with Dawn of the Dead, they, you know, the blood on set did, never looked like tempura paint. You know, it was the way that the film stock was made. Mm-hmm. And also, the, you know, 3M made the blood at the time, and it was just the way it was projected. So I always was like, oh, God, I never want that to happen to me. And mm-hmm. it actually happens in one moment in Wrong Turn 2 that, you know, I don't, I don't want to point it out specifically so people can go, yeah, you're ready, Lynch, you fucked up. But there's one moment where I almost feel like the blood is too dark, you know, and, and that's only because from on set it looked great, on film it just photographed differently, you know. But what Gordon Smith did with that movie is he made the blood so goddamn dark, 
but it still felt real. You know, like Body Parts and Platoon and Jacob's Ladder, and he's done a bunch of other movies, but he was one of those guys that I always went to the movies to go see because he did it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's so good. Uh, Sorry, that was that was a terrible rant. I, I oh, went off on a, cool. a complete. We went all over the place today. That's what I bring up quick uh, here, Mr. Voorhees in our chat room. Uh, he hey, says, Mr. Voorhees, how are you? Huh, he says Talisman will be a TNT some uh, on TNT next summer. It's gonna be a six-hour miniseries. Oh, yeah. Um, DreamWorks supposedly has that, and they got uh, was it Aaron Kruger, the guy who did the Ring, to like write it and show like that. But I just heard that they put it kind of on standby because they don't. It's a big book. You know, I mean, it's like trying to do Clive Barker's Weave World as as a TV movie. You know what I mean? It's too dense. Any any Clive Barker stuff is too dense for anything. You know, that's why like Midnight Meat Train might be perfect because it was like what seventy eight like pages long, yeah. whereas like a Magic of a Great and Secret Show are huge. You know, and that's why Lord of Illusions failed. You know, Talisman is a very dense book unless you make it into a series. Yeah, I don't think anyone can do it right. Series, uh... Yeah, a mini a mini series means you're going to get it. You know, you're going to get like six minutes, you know, six six hours and that's it. Hold on one second. I'm going to change phones because I've actually been talking so goddamn long that the battery's going to die and I don't want to go stuff. Well, so, uh, we can actually wrap it. it up here if you want. Uh, we had you on about an hour. I told oh, you, you half beforehand. Yeah. Yeah, we lied to you. We told you half. Damn it. Well, shit, man. I could talk all night. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, you know, that's, that's what's great about horror fans is that you can get two horror fans in a room and you say one movie and they'll either go like, fuck yeah, or yeah, <laughs> but it'll, it'll automatically spark the conversation. And you really don't get that with other genres as much. It's not like you can take two dudes and be like, man, there's just something about Geronimo that just so, is so much better than Unforgiven. You know, or, or, or romantic comedies. It's like, you know, I really feel like Sleepless in Seattle is much better than You Got Mail. Fuck yeah, man. You Got Mail rules. You know, it's not the same. But you, yeah, get, a, you, you get a bunch of horror movie fans together. Look, look at us. We're, you know, we're sitting here going like, fuck yeah, kick ass. You know, it's like mm-hmm. horror movies really do elicit that kind of response out of people. It's a very visceral kind of genre, and it, it elicits a very visceral experience for the viewer. And horror fans are the best fans in the world. They really are. You know, and I'm proud to say that I'm a horror fan. And I'm, and it, it's, it, the last six to eight months of going around, going to the Fango Cons, and meeting you guys online, and, and doing the festivals and everything, it's just, it's been like the best summer camp in the world because I get to hang out and talk about the thing that I love. And that's the horror genre. You know, and, and there's just not too many genres out there that allow you to, if, you know, to kind of display so much belating love to, a, you know, to, the type of a movie genre like the horror films do, mm-hmm. you know. So it's great. I love talking to you guys, man. It's it's awesome. I just want to mention uh, your website, JoeLynch.net, which you know, as soon as I went there, I noticed you know it's based off the like an easy <laughs> comment. Yeah, I love that. Uh, you know, like I love the the old EC, you know, Bill Gaines stuff. Oh, yeah. Just reading that shit. But I grew up watching Tales from the Crypt on HBO. Uh-huh. You yep. know, that yep. was like a little slice of heaven every you know every week. You oh, know, and I balls. Those are the best, man. Weren't those yep. awesome? Like, oh, you've yeah. got good directors. It's not like you just got some schmo who did, you know, this or that or the other thing with, like, TV. You're mm-hmm. getting Zemeckis, and you're getting, you know, Walter oh, Stone. Yeah. You're getting, you know, even fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger did it. But, you know, like, Bill Malone's, you know, the guy who did House on Haunted Hill, right. he did one, um, like, in the, one of the few seasons. Like, it was, like, the one of the last seasons. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the most frightening things I've seen on TV. And then Bill Friedkin does one, which is equally frightening. You know, and, and that's what that's what I love about the whole EC thing is it, it just it 
it brings the best out of people both behind and in front of the camera and in writing and in fans. Mm-hmm. You know, because you know when you hear about the Crypt Keeper, you're like, oh, cool. Oh, yeah. you know? right. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I like it. Just felt like I needed to have that as my splash page. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, there's actually an episode of uh, Tales from the Crypt, which kind of reminded me. I kind of thought maybe that's where he got the idea for Thirty Days a Night because they kind of do the same thing where the vampires go to Alaska. Because someone else told me that. Yeah. I, I don't think I ever saw it. Was that? I'm trying to remember which one that was. I don't. I, that's one of the few that I don't remember. I, I, think, think, um, I think it's the Michael one of the is in that. that yeah, one. yeah, he is. It's, it's one of. The, it's yeah. either. The, I don't think it's the last because when the last one was all uh, British ones, but British it might ones, have, yeah, yeah, the last season. But I think it's the season before that. Huh? I think well, you're right. The, the old comic, it was a, it was a Jack Davis one, like the actual um, the comic. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Huh? That's strange. I got, I got to seek that out. Yeah. But, but seriously, like if you, all kidding aside, Thirty Days a Night is the shit. Mm. Oh yeah. I really, I, I, I think it's gonna, if it does well, I think it's going to change the game. Yeah, I, I, I really think it's going to change the game with people. I think people are going to go, "Wow, I want more of this type of horror movie." You know, and again, it's another monster movie because the vampires aren't vampires to me; they're like these pack of wolves. You know, it's not like you got these sexy homoerotic right. kind of like swishy bourgeois right, right. dudes who are like, "I'm going to fuck your neck." These mm-hmm. these motherfuckers tear people apart. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's frightening. You know, like oh, that's yeah. that's terrifying to know that. They're not going to try to say some funky last line before they kill you to give you a chance to have some heroine or hero come in and save the day. You don't get that. They go in and they fucking kill you and eat you and then kill you again, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to freak some people out, but I also think it's going to make a lot of horror fans happy. I don't give too many spoilers here, uh, but uh, do they stick to the, the ending of the graphic novel in the movie? Yes, they do. Oh, okay, cool. I, it's, yeah, the only thing that's different, and I'm not going to give too much away here, is there's one subplot that's in the comic that is justifiably omitted in the film because it just doesn't need to be there, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and if you know the comic, you'll know what I'm talking about, right. which is actually addressed in those short films that they did um, to promote the film, Blood, what, Blood Trail. Oh yeah, they're that? like on a Fear Net. They're all set in New Orleans and stuff, which is what I the comic haven't watched is. those yet. Yeah, it's, yeah. they're not bad, you know. Like, at yeah. least they give you a taste of what's to come. Mm-hmm. But once you see what Slade and, and, you know, and Niall do with 30 days, you're going to fucking shit. And it can definitely, you can definitely vouch it is the first good Josh Hartnett film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually, when, when I heard he was in it, I was like, oh, I don't know. I did that, this, dude, everybody, there was like a collective groan <laughs> on the internet when, they, when it was announced. But he is fucking solid now. That's, you know, whether that's Slade's direction or, or you know, or the actor just going, I'm going to kick some ass here and do something really, really effective. Everybody's good in that. When you see Danny Houston in the film, you know, he was in The Proposition. He was just in uh, The Kingdom. He usually plays, or The Constant Gardener, he usually plays a very, like, kind of upper-class evil guy. Here he is. I, I hope if there was a god, they would nominate Danny Houston for an Oscar for this film. That's how fucking good he is. He is, like, Hannibal Lecter good. You know, and then of course there's people like, what the fuck are you talking about, Lynch? But he <laughs> plays Marlowe like I've never seen anyone play a bad guy before. You know, and I mean, you have Ben Foster too, who's amazing in it as well, but Danny Houston just blew me away, especially if you've seen it in other films, because you'll watch it and then you'll see him in another film and go, that's the guy from 30 Days of Night? Mm-hmm. You have no clue. And I, I remember I saw the proposition and I saw it with Slade. He was sit- sitting next to me and he was taking pictures of Danny Houston the whole time. And later on, he goes, i got to get Danny Houston. He's just, if you've never seen The Proposition, that is an amazing film. You know, like, it's not a horror film, but it's brutal. I, there's, it's got a headshot in that film that's never been done before. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I've see, never seen a headshot it's like that. It's like a kind of a western, isn't it? It's an ex- it's like an existential western where it's not it's not about the plot, it's about the characters. Uh, was it um, Guy Pierce? Guy Pierce yeah. is in it. Danny Houston's in it. Um, it's a lot of great people, and Nick Cave wrote it, which is just so cool. You know, mm-hmm. Nick Cave, and uh, and he also did the music, and and it's 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 really really effective. But when you see Danny Houston in that, and then you see him in this, you're like, it's another actor, you know. But 30 Days is going to rock. I think it's going to really rock. And, and, and Sony, you can send a check to Joe Lynch. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, but that's the thing. That's another thing. It's like when, when a horror fan sees a good horror movie, all they want to do is tell other people about it. Mm-hmm. Like when right. I first saw Battle Royale, I needed to tell everybody about it. I would get my friends copies. Oh, you know, uh, yeah. You need that's, to see it. Yeah. I don't like to talk about it too much on the show. That's actually how, uh, how we got to see it. Was uh, One of the fans of our show actually sent me a copy of the movie. But that's, but that, that it's like they're like trading cards. You, you, oh, you yeah. become proud of it. You become like you don't. You you have like kind of an ownership to it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I, I, for the longest time I saw this movie called um, Satan's Little Helper that was directed by the guy who did uh, Squirm, right? Mm-hmm. Trent Joe Liebsman. I probably screwed that name up, but I saw it on, on video a couple of years ago and it unnerved the shit out of me. And and for like the next year, I would tell everybody about it. I would call my grandmother up and be like, "Grandma, you gotta see Satan's Little Helper." And she's like, "Oh, Joey, you're crazy," you know. <laughs> but but that's the thing. It's like when you see a good horror movie, horror fans tend to want to spread the word, you know. Mm-hmm. And then when like when I saw Thirty Days a Night, I called like six friends afterwards and was like, "Dudes, wait until you see this movie." You know, you, most fans who went walked out of like John Tucker Must Die. You know, I don't think they called six of their friends and went, right. John Tucker must die. He's fucking awesome. You know. <laughs> so I just wanted to kind of work John Tucker must die in there somehow. Yeah. How about Creepshow 3? Did you call it? Fall Creepshow 3. <laughs> Seriously, like we said before, Creepshow 3 is the boil on the ass of fucking cinema. Uh-huh. It, really, it, it will go down as the film that will slowly... Like dethrone Troll Two as the worst horror movie in existence. I it is seen a pockmark on the Creepshow franchise. <laughs> it is a pockmark on my eyeballs. It's awful. You know, I mean, I remember a couple of years back they were talking about doing a reboot of Creepshow yeah. as kind of like a go film, which I thought, fuck, that's a great idea. And eventually, you know, Michael Doherty did that with Trick or Treat. You know, he took the kind of Creepshow anthology thing mm-hmm. and. In, in like interwove them into each other, which is such a brilliant idea. Now to think like if Creepshow did that with Stephen King stories, how many cool Stephen King stories like set in Castle Rock could you like, oh, yeah, interweave? Yeah. That would have been awesome. But Creepshow three, there's no, it's not even Creepshow fucking three, man. No. You know, it's, it's, there's no Stephen King at all in that. So I never thought I would actually say that Day of the Dead Contagion, you know, could could be you know like oh, beaten as a bad movie. Right. And of course, the filmmakers of Contagion set out to do just that, you know. <laughs> so, so anyone who is a fan of Creepshow Three, yeah, sorry, that, that movie I, I picked up because it was you know it was five bucks. I was like, I never knew they made a sequel that day. Of the That's day. what most people said. They're like, oh, they made a sequel? Oh, right. shit! And it's got a kind of cool cover. It looks like a Todd McFarlane graphic novel. You're yeah. like, oh, come on, it's not. It can't be that bad. And you watch it, and you're like. I want to seriously gouge my eyeballs out and skull fuck myself because like, that would be more entertaining than watching both of those. I haven't seen either one. Well, I, I have them both. If you, if you ever want to borrow them, man. I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's like happen. you know. Seriously, if you like each other, you know, as friends, <laughs> it, it would be like handing over the fucking VHS tape to the ring to your mom. <laughs> oh man, you know, it's like oh here, mom, check this out. You know, and you, I swear to God, if you watch Creepshow three, 
Seven days later, you will regret it. <laughs> yeah, Christmas is coming up now, so you better not. Well, all right. Yeah. No, Creepshow 3 is the type of movie you send to enemies. It's like a horse's head. <laughs> <laughs> to a horror fan, that's what you would do. Like, if you want to really piss a horror fan off, send them Creepshow 3, and <laughs> you'll probably never hear from them again. Yeah, that'll be too- that'll be the horse's head in their bed. Yeah, <laughs> it was too bad, too, because... Uh, I really like, I love Creepshow, it's my favorites, and I, I wish they would do more of those movies where, you know, the short stories, the anthologies. Oh yeah, kind of I'm a sucker back. for those, yeah. I really I love those, I mean, that's that's what I loved about Masters of Horror, was like, you would have like, yeah. a different story each week, you know, from a different great filmmaker, you know, and, and it was a shame that Romero didn't get to do one of those, I really thought he would be able to do one, but, mm-hmm. you know, that whole conceit, and even in Creepshow 2, is so great, and, and you know, again, it's another, you know, movie or series that, really pays homage to the EC comics of the day, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, especially Creepshow 1. The fact oh, that Romero gets to do all the panels mm-hmm. is genius. Oh, awesome. It's fucking genius. Like, yep. I mean, up until that point, everyone thought Romero was more of like this kind of verite documentarian of horror. And then he comes out from left field. It's like if Paul Greengrass decided to do like the Golden Compass or some shit like that, mm-hmm. or Lord of the Rings, you know? Like, where did this come from, dude? Mm-hmm. You know? And it, and it works so perfectly. You know, and Creepshow 3 is, is genius. Creep, you know, I'm sorry, no, Creepshow 1 is genius. Yeah. Creepshow 3 is, is the absolute opposite of genius. Right, right. And it, it does kind of suck that Creepshow 2 gets, a uh, like, a uh, a special edition DVD. Creepshow, the original one, it's just uh, your well, basic see, DVD. You know, those lucky bastards over in the U.K., they're getting a, a special edition of Creepshow, like, three or four months before we are. I don't know where this, you know hierarchy came from where they're lucky enough to get them, but I got to admit that the horror fans in the UK are the shit. Yeah. You know, I, I thought we were hardcore. Those motherfuckers put us to shame sometimes. <laughs> so maybe it's best that they get, you know, they're rewarded lovely with, uh, with Creepshow, but supposedly, I don't know if you've like looked at it online, but the special features look awesome. No, you know, it's like, even, it's the kind that, like, when you get the From Beyond disc, you're like, oh, my God, there is so much stuff on here that I want to watch. Yeah. It's the same thing with that Creepshow special edition. So, I mean, if you ever heard the Creepshow 2 commentary, it's great. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Yeah. And they actually talk a lot about Creepshow 1. So, for me, it was like, hey, I'll take any bone I can get. You know, right. any, any any knowledge about Creepshow 1 is awesome. You Thanks. Know? Thanks for the ride, lady. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Or, oh, God, that tongue that just, like, is hanging down the guy's neck at that point, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's yeah, something my favorite. Pretty yeah, that's my favorite yeah. story of the, of the second yeah. one. Oh, the raft? Yeah. No, um, the, the thanks for the ride. Oh yeah, I'm all for. I mean, Old Chief Woodenhead, you know, is kind of hokey. Yeah. But what, what's really the scariest part of that movie is when the, when the old lady and the old man die. When George oh, Kennedy yeah. and his wife get blown away, mm-hmm. I remember being in the theater. I begged my old man to take me. He's like, "All right, go rake the leaves, and I'll take you to go see fucking Creepshow Three, uh, <laughs> Creepshow Two. I'm like, "Oh, thanks, Dad." So we're watching, you know, we're watching it. I remember being really disturbed by watching this poor, like, innocent family die. Mm-hmm. You know, and and look, we watch enough horror films to know that if you, you know, you smoke weed or you, you know, do any kind of drugs or you, you know, you look at someone the wrong way or you have sex, you're you're setting yourself up for a kill. But then oh, you yeah. see something like Friday the 13th Part 5 and the fat kid dies. What did he have to die? You know, he had no reason to die. <laughs> but that's no, but you know what though? That's one of the most disturbing kills in the entire series because he didn't deserve to die. Right. They, they broke the rules and that was really rough. And seeing Creepshow 2 and seeing that moment when the old people die, you're going, Oh, you didn't need to die. You they know. were going to make cookies, you know. <laughs> right. and, and then all those guys get brutally killed, you know. So they, they deserved everything they got. So it became a weird kind of revenge movie. 
mm-hmm. whereas it was supposed to be more of a scary movie. I mean, everyone's rooting for old Chief Woodenhead at that point. Oh, like, yeah. oh definitely. Yeah. And, but the makeup is so bad, like the part where he puts the war paint on and his like middle finger bends in half when he does it. It's so gay. Come on, that was Doctor so bad. Or something. It's like from the old Doctor <laughs> But then you have something like the raft, and you're like, holy shit, that's awesome. I mean, yeah. sure, it looks like a big garbage bag, but that's the scariest garbage bag <laughs> I've ever seen <laughs> in a lake ever. You know? So, yeah, I fat, love the creep show, too. The fat kid from, uh, from um, Friday, Friday 13th, 13th Part 5, yeah, he went on to become a uh, like a, a radio host on like for Fox. No way! Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit! That's like hearing like Chunk is like one of the, uh, Chunk from the Goonies is one of the biggest entertainment lawyers in Hollywood. See, you know there is there is life after Hollywood, people. You know, so I hope to be the best garbage man possible in twenty years. I swear they'd be like, yeah, he made movies someday, but man, he picks up my trash well. Yeah, yeah. But you'll be back there with Savini, you know, going through looking at the exactly. comics. We'll be looking through the whole movie. Yeah, you know, Ricardo and Tom Savini going, hey, look at this, you know, voodoo doll. Ah, <laughs> oh, somebody already ordered this one. <laughs> Larry Zerner recently was on. Uh, was on a. Um, was it like a one versus a hundred? He won like three hundred thousand mm. dollars. No way. Yeah. Shit, man, not too shabby. Yeah, they didn't even mention that he was in a movie. They just called him a lawyer. Are you kidding me? They didn't. They didn't mention once. No. <laughs> like, oh yeah, weren't you in something? It's like, oh yeah, just keep moving on, move on, move on. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe he did that so he didn't have to give the give it to charity because he's like, if you're an actor, you probably have to give your money to charity. <laughs> oh, good point. Hey, slick move. <laughs> always the lawyer, always thinking. <laughs> oh yeah, the poor underprivileged lawyer though. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell everybody go and uh, buy Wrong Turn Two. Uh, anything else you want to tell your uh, fans up before we let you go? Because I think John's got to go to work. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, so, or someone's got to pee over there. I know I do. Um, no, honestly, I just want to thank everybody. I mean, thank, you know, all the all the fans online, all the people that I've met, and, and all the people who've met, like, all my cast. And everybody has been so supportive of the movie from, you know, even from the beginning. You know, even when they, when they announced it and said, oh, shit, oh, boy, I think my phone's going to die. I, yep, that's that's my cue, boys. I think i got to go. So thanks, everybody. All right. Have a great night, guys. Thanks, Thank man. you so much, man. Thanks a lot. This was a yeah. lot of fun. You got it, guys. Later. Yep. This is Larry Zerner, Shelley from Friday 13.3, and you're listening to WithoutYourHead.com.